Today's first scripture comes from 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 26 and 31. And that can be found on page 203 of your pew Bible. David asked me, standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes his disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised, uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Gilead, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. He came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done? said David. Can I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. The second scripture is from the John's Gospel. Chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. That can be found on page 761 in the Bible. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, a keeper of the money bag. He used to help himself to what was put in, into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. May God add his blessing to the reading of the word. claims of false gods and show us the way to lasting joy. We know that way will not be easy, but your word sustains. So may your good news take root within us, that our lives might bear witness to the triumph of love over fear and life over death. Amen. Now during this Lenten season, we've been talking about the giants in our lives, all but reflecting back on David and Goliath. And this is the last one of this series. And we're going to talk about anger today, the giant of anger. Now, if you ask a person if they think that they are an angry person, 
most people will say no. I am not an angry person. I don't go around in a rage every day. I don't yell at people that I work with. I don't lash out at my spouse or at my children. I don't throw things around the house. Don't sit there and grin. <laughs> but dig deeper. Under that top layer of your lives for just a bit. And it might be a little bit of a different story. Because sometimes anger emerges in sneaky ways. Sometimes the anger that's there hasn't been seen for a long, long time. Anger lurks under the surface, waiting for just the right spark to set it off. What do we do about that giant of anger? Now, let me tell you this, first of all. Anger is not wrong under certain circumstances. If you were here Wednesday evening, I spoke about Jesus cleansing the temp temple, and even Jesus got angry. Now, I was told that some people missed it the other night. I had the offering plate sitting up front. I can't do it right now because they're full. We don't have the offering plates full on Wednesday evening. But I had one, two of the offering plates turned upside down with Jesus sitting on two of them, symbolizing the cleansing of the temple. And some people didn't get that, so now I'm explaining why the offering plates were turned upside down, in case you wondered. But remember those passages in both Matthew's Gospel and John's Gospel about Jesus cleansing the temple. You see, Jesus was even more than angry. Jesus was irate, and if I dare say so, Jesus was totally pissed off. Yes, I said that in church. But you know, if, if our anger is uncontrolled, if it's stuck, if it's misplaced, if it's given to the full amount that it can vent, anger can do us a lot of harm. And scripture is clear. Anger is a giant that can shut down any possibilities of having God present completely in our lives. And if we're not careful, anger can even burn down somebody else's life. Unchecked anger definitely will destroy us and burn down our words. <coughs> now, as I said, anger isn't always wrong in and of itself. Paul writes in Ephesians 4.26, In your anger, do not sin. And James chapter 1, verse 19 says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And we know Jesus felt angry. And he acted on this emotion of anger. But, as we know, Jesus never sinned. He had strong words at times for his disciples. He got angry with the disciples because the disciples didn't get it. Oftentimes the disciples didn't get the 
meaning behind Jesus' message. They didn't understand why Jesus was here. And he got angry with them. He got angry with some of the other people, too. One time he walked into a dinner party and immediately began insulting the host. That's in Luke 11. Scripture shows there's a time to be angry. And there's a time to righteously display our anger. But that's not, we're talk, not what we're talking about here today. Because, you see, there's a lot of ways that anger works its way into our lives and it becomes a problem. That's when anger becomes the giant that we have to battle in our lives. And maybe you've experienced some of these. You see, there's different kinds of anger. There's anger that's wrongly felt. Wrongly felt anger, they call it. You feel angry for something that never really happened. You think it happened, but it really didn't. And you get angry about it. You thought somebody said something or did something bad to you? But they really didn't. It's anger that's wrongly felt. And sometimes you feel that you've been wrongly acted upon. It's real anger in your life. But you know, it really didn't happen. You just perceive it. And then there's rightly felt anger that's expressed in the wrong way. You generally have something to be angry about. But the way that you're expressing your anger comes about in all the wrong ways. And your anger ends up blowing up bridges. It breaks down relationships with other people. It damages the people around you. And it also damages you. And then there's rightly felt anger that's never expressed. That's sometimes the worst. Because you're angry. But you pretend that everything's fine. You stuff your anger. You keep it bottled up inside. You don't speak of it. You don't address it. And then one day, something happens and boom! You blow up. That can be one of the most destructive things that can happen. And it can become a health risk. It can cause additional stress. Not to mention the fact that you're ending up living a lie. Now there's millions of reasons why people get angry today. People can get angry at their parents. They can get angry at their spouses. And if they have one, they can get angry at their ex-spouses. Angry towards their bosses. Towards a lousy job. Maybe it's anger towards your neighbors because they play their music too loud. Or towards a political party or an ideology that you don't necessarily agree with. Anger can happen anytime we feel betrayed, anytime we feel overlooked, anytime we feel slighted, anytime we feel belittled, anytime we wanted something and didn't get it. And then we get angry. And maybe you're angry at God. And that's okay. You're allowed to be angry at God. God can take it. Maybe you're angry at life itself. Maybe you're just angry at everything and everybody. It's 
amazing how harmful anger can be when it comes onto the scene. But there's the good news that goes with that. The good news is that the God in heaven has killed the giants in our lives and he has killed the giant of anger. Jesus Christ, through his life, death, burial, resurrection, has killed the giant of anger. It's dead. It still may be talking to you and me a little bit. It still may be taunting us somewhat. It still may have that deadly venom that I talked about the other week. But the giant of anger is already dead. Now, in the story of David and Goliath, David really isn't all that angry. He was righteously angry because God was being taunted and nobody was doing anything about it. And that's the right kind of anger to have, righteous anger or righteous indignation. But David is surrounded by some other people who are angry, and they aren't righteously angry. And in particular, it's his older brother, Eliab. In 1 Samuel 17, as Jerry shared with us, David comes up to the battle lines, and he hears Goliath haunting the Israelite army. And he asks some questions, and he decides he's going to do something about all this. But then his older brother hears about the anger, or hears about his plans, and he burns with anger. Now, you have to understand a few things. Because Eliab had already seen God's favor given to David. David had been anointed the king. He was the youngest of all the children. And he was the one picked for king. Not Eliab, he was the oldest. He, may, he should have been supportive of David. But instead, his heart raged with anger. Wrongly expressed anger. And he had his own problems as well. And his feelings were rooted in his inability to process his life with his younger brother being in God's favor. Eliab needed to fix his anger, just as we all need to address and fix our anger. We need to believe that whatever God does in our lives is far greater than what anyone else could do against us. And we know that when we replace anger with the word of God, when we replace the angry conversation of our minds with praying for the people that we've been angry with, then we begin to see things through the eyes of Jesus. We see others as Jesus would want us to see them. And we invite Christ to have the full role and full reign in our hearts. Now remember what David used to kill Goliath? He used his sling. And before he went up to battle Goliath, he grabbed five smooth stones. Only needed to use one, which is a good shot. But he had five smooth stones. And there's five smooth stones of truth that we can use to throw at the giant of anger. First, we have to remind ourselves 
we aren't perfect. We have to remind ourselves that God had made peace with us when we asked him to forgive us. Because we aren't perfect, but God does forgive us. We must believe that God is our avenger. And I don't mean the avenger like Iron Man or Captain America. God does do the avenging in our lives for us. We need to forgive, just as Jesus Christ forgave all of us when we call upon him. And we need to ask for forgiveness for the person who we're angry at, the person who we may perceive as wrongly. And finally, we need to remind ourselves that we are sons and daughters of God. We have been chosen by a perfect father. And we need to remind ourselves of this every day. Now, one thing is certain. We live in a broken world, and there are plenty of reasons to be angry. Some of you may have been angry at something this morning. Some of you may have been angry, may get angry at something this afternoon. Maybe Eli will be riding a donkey at the donkey ball game, and that donkey won't want to do what he wants it to do. He'll get angry at the donkey. But being angry is allowing the giant of anger <coughs> to cut into your heart of joy. Living with a smoldering fire is a sorry way to live. Living like a victim, defeating, and being imprisoned. Are you tired of being mad all the time? Weary from holding down all the grudges all these years? Taking down this giant is a matter of letting go. Letting control of it fall away from you and letting God take over. <coughs> and we have to get our eyes off of what or who is making us angry and get our eyes back on Jesus. We have to realize that we have been held by nail-pierced hands. We have to agree that we are treasured and loved. We need to affirm that we believe what God did for us is far greater than what anyone can do against us. And this allows us to actually live our lives free. We have to allow God to extinguish that fire that's threatening to burn our dreams. Anger can and must fall. And it does with the help of the love of Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, help us to let go of our fears and our anger. You have forgiven us and offered us your healing love. May we accept this free gift for it is given to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our next hymn is number 350, and please stand if you are here.